Chapter 10 of Poems of American History, Volume 4, The Civil War. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Poems of American History, Volume 4, The Civil War by Various. Chapter 10, The Final Struggle. A survey of the field at the opening of the fourth year of the war, shows how steadily the North had been gaining the advantage, an advantage due to superior numbers and greater resources rather than to brilliant generalship. The Union forces in the field numbered 800,000, while the Confederates had scarcely half as many and were compelled to stand on the defensive. The North hoped to crush them by one mighty effort. Put it through, 1864. Come, freemen of the land, come meet the last demand. Here's a piece of work in hand, put it through. Here's a log across the way we have stumbled on all day. Here's a plowshare in the clay, put it through. Here's a country that's half free, and it waits for you and me to say what its fate shall be, put it through. While one traitor thought remains, while one spot its banner stains, one link of all its chains, put it through. Hear our brothers in the field, steal your swords as theirs are steeled, Learn to wield the arms they wield. Put it through. Lock the shop and lock the store, And chalk this upon the door. We've enlisted for the war. Put it through. For the birthrights yet unsold, For the history yet untold, For the future yet unrolled. Put it through. Lest our children point with shame On the father's dastard fame, who gave up a nation's name, put it through. Edward Everett Hale Grant was made lieutenant general and prepared to advance on Richmond, while the task of taking Atlanta was entrusted to Sherman. Sherman began his advance without delay and was before Atlanta by the middle of July 1864. On the 20th, the Confederates made a desperate sally, but were driven back. Logan at Peach Tree Creek, a veteran's story, July twentieth, eighteen sixty four. You know that day at Peach Tree Creek when the Rebs were there circling scorching wall of smoke hid cannon and sweep of flame drove in our flanks back, back and all. Our toil seemed lost in the storm of shell. That desperate day McPherson fell. Our regiment stood in a little glade set round with half-grown red oak trees. An awful place to stand in full fair sight while the many bullets hummed like bees and comrades dropped on either side. That fearful day McPherson died. The roar of the battle, steady, stern, rung in our ears, upon our eyes. The belching cannon smoke, the half-hid swing of deploying troops, the groans, the cries, the hoarse commands, the sickening smell, that blood-red day McPherson fell. But we stood there when out from the trees, out of the smoke in dismay to the right, burst a rider, his head was bare, his eye had a blaze like a lion feigned for fight. His long hair, black as the deepest night, streamed out on the wind, and the might of his plunging horse was a tale to tell, and his voice rang high like a bugle's swell. Men, the enemy hem us on every side, we'll whip him yet. Close up that breach, remember your flag, don't give an inch. The right flanks gaining and soon will reach. Forward, boys, and give him hell, said Logan, after McPherson fell. We laughed and cheered, and the red ground shook as the general plunged along the line. 
through the deadliest rain of screaming shells for the sound of his voice refreshed us all and we filled the gap like a roaring tide and saved the day macpherson died but that was twenty years ago and part of a horrible dream now passed for logan the lion the drums throb low and the flag swings low on the mast he has followed his mighty chieftain through the mist-hung stream where gray and blue one color stand and north to south extends the hand it's right that deeds of war and blood should be forgot but spite of all i think of logan now as he rode the day across the field i hear the call of his trumpet voice see the battle shine in his stern black eyes and down the line of cheering men i see him ride as on the day macpherson died hamlin garland on july twenty second eighteen sixty four sherman ordered a general assault which lasted two days with heavy losses on both sides general macpherson was killed by a confederate sharpshooter about noon of the first day a dirge for macpherson killed in front of atlanta july twenty second eighteen sixty four arms reversed and banners creeped muffled drums snowy horses sable draped macpherson comes but tell us shall we know him more lost mountain and lone kennesaw brave the sword upon the pall a gleam in gloom so bright a name lighteth all macpherson's doom bear him through the chapel door let priest in stole pace before the warrior who led bell toll lay him down within the nave the lesson read man is noble man is brave but man's a weed take him up again and wend graveward nor weep there's a trumpet that shall rend this soldier's sleep pass the ropes the coffin round and let descend prayer and volley let it sound macpherson's end true fame is his for life is over sarpedon of the mighty war herman melville hostilities continued about atlanta for nearly a month and finally on september second eighteen sixty four the confederates evacuated the city a few days later they suddenly attacked alatoona where general course was stationed with a small garrison sherman heard the thunder of the guns from the top of kennesaw mountain and signaled course the famous message hold out relief is coming course did hold out and the confederates finally withdrew with course at alatoona october fifth eighteen sixty four it was less than two thousand we numbered in the fort sitting up on the hill that night not a soldier that slumbered we watched by the starlight until daybreak showed us all of their forces about us their gray columns ran to left and to right they were round us five thousand if there was a man surrender your fort bawled the rebel five minutes i give or you're dead not a man answered course in his treble perhaps you can take us instead then pealed forth their cannon infernal we fought them outside of the pass two hours the time seemed eternal the dead lay in lines on the grass but who cared for dead or for dying the fort we were there to defend and across from yon far mountain flying came a message hold on to the end hold on to the fort it was sherman who signaled from kennesaw's height far over the heads of our foemen hold on i am coming to-night quick fluttered our flag to the signal we answered him back with a will and fired on the gray-coated rebels that charged up the slope of the hill low double cried course every cannon who cares for their ten to our one we looked at the swift-coming rebels and answered their yell with a gun with the grape from our fort in their faces they rushed to the ramparts but stop ah few of the gray-columned army that day left alive at the top on the parapets too lie our wounded 
each porthole a grave for the dead. No room for our cannon, the corpses fill up the embrasures instead. Again through the cannon's red weather, they charge up the hill and the pass. Their dead and our dead lie together out there on the slope in the grass. A crash from our rifles they falter, a gleam from our steel it is by. Recall and retreat sound their bugles, we cheer from the fort as they fly. Once more and the signal is flying, how many the wounded and dead? Six hundred, says Corse, with the dying, the blood streaming down from his head. But what of that? Look, the old banner shines out there as peaceful and still as if there had not been a battle this morning up there on the hill. Samuel H. M. Byers Alatuna, October 5th, 1864 Winds that sweep the southern mountains and the leafy river shore bear ye now a prouder burden than ye ever learned before. And the heart blood fills, the heart till it thrills at the story of the terror and the glory of this battle of the Alatuna Hills. Echo it from the purple mountain to the gray resounding shore. Tis as sad and proud a burden as ye ever learned before. How they fell like grass when the mowers pass and the dying when the foe were flying swelled the cheering of the heroes of the pass. Sweep it over the hills of Georgia to the mountains of the north. Teach the coward and the doubter what the blood of man is worth. Toss the flags as ye pass. Let their stained and tattered mass tell the story of the terror and the glory of the battle of the Alatuna Pass. Sherman now prepared for a maneuver which was destined to be the most famous of the war. He determined to destroy Atlanta, and marching through the heart of Georgia to capture one or more of the important seaport towns. On November 16, 1864, the famous March to the Sea began. Sherman's March to the Sea Our campfires shone bright on the mountain, that frowned on the river below as we stood by our guns in the morning and eagerly watched for the foe. When a rider came out of the darkness that hung over mountain and tree and shouted, Boys, up and be ready, for Sherman will march to the sea. Then cheer upon cheer for bold Sherman went up from each valley and glen, and the bugles re-echoed the music that came from the lips of the men. For we knew that the stars in our banner more bright in their splendor would be, and that blessings from Northland would greet us when Sherman marched down to the sea. Then forward, boys, forward to battle. We marched on our wearisome way. We stormed the wild hills of Resaca. God bless those who fell on that day. Then Kennesaw, dark in its glory, frowned down on the flag of the free. And the east and the west bore our standard, and Sherman marched on to the sea. Still onward we pressed till our banners swept out from Atlanta's grim walls, and the blood of the patriot dampened the soil where the traitor flag falls. We paused not to weep for the fallen, who slept by each river and tree, yet we twined them with the wreath of the laurel, as Sherman marched down to the sea. Oh, proud was our army that morning that stood where the pine darkly towers, where Sherman said, Boys, you are weary, but today fair Savannah is ours. Then sang we the song of our chieftain that echoed over the river and the lee, and the stars in our banner shone brighter when Sherman marched down to the sea. Samuel H. M. Byers Through the heart of Georgia the army moved, leaving behind a path of ruin forty miles in width. Some of this destruction was no doubt necessary, but much of it seems to have been wanton and without reason. The Song of Sherman's Army 
A pillar of fire by night, a pillar of smoke by day, some hours of march, then a halt to fight, and so we hold our way. Some hours of march, then a halt to a fight, is on we hold our way. Over mountain and plain and stream, to some bright Atlantic bay, with our arms aflash in the morning beam, we hold our festal way. With our arms aflash in the morning beam, we hold our checkless way. There is terror wherever we come, there is terror in wild dismay, when they see the old flag and hear the drum announce us on our way. When they see the old flag and hear the drum beating time to our onward way. Never unlimber a gun for those villainous lines in gray. Draw sabers and anima upon the run, tis thus we clear our way. Draw sabers and soon you will see them run as we hold our conquering way. The loyal who long have been dumb are loud in their cheers today, and the old men out on their crutches come to see us hold our way, and the old men out on their crutches come to bless us on our way. Around us in rear and flanks their futile squadrons play, with a sixty-mile front of steady ranks we hold our checkless way, with a sixty-mile front of serried ranks our banner clears the way. Hear the spattering fire that starts from the woods and the corpses gray. There is just enough fighting to quicken our hearts as we frolic along the way. There is just enough fighting to warm our hearts as we rattle along the way. Upon different roads abreast, the heads of our columns gay, with fluttering flags all forward pressed, hold on their conquering way. With fluttering flags to victory pressed, we hold our glorious way. Ah, traitors who bragged so bold in the sad war's early day, did nothing predict you should ever behold the old flag come this way? Did nothing predict you should yet behold our banner come back this way? By heaven, tis a gala march, tis a picnic or a play. Of all our long war, tis the crowning arch, hip hip for Sherman's way. Of all our long war, this crowns the arch for Sherman and Grant. Hooray! Charles Graham Halpine Marching Through Georgia Bring the good old bugle, boys, we'll sing another song. Sing it with a spirit that will start the world along. Sing it as we used to sing it fifty thousand strong while we were marching through Georgia. Hurrah! Hurrah! We bring the jubilee. Hurrah! Hurrah! The flag that makes you free. So we sang the chorus from Atlanta to the sea while we were marching through Georgia. How the darkies shouted when they heard the joyful sound. How the turkeys gobbled which our commissary found. How the sweet potatoes even started from the ground while we were marching through Georgia. Yes, and there were Union men who wept with joyful tears when they saw the honored flag they had not seen for years. Hardly could they be restrained from breaking forth in cheers while we were marching through Georgia. Hurrah! Hurrah! We bring the jubilee. Hurrah! Hurrah! The flag that makes you free. So we sang the chorus from Atlanta to the sea, while we were marching through Georgia. Sherman's dashing Yankee boys will never reach the coast, so the saucy rebels said, and twas a handsome boast. Had they not forgot, alas, to reckon on a host, while we were marching through Georgia. So we made a thoroughfare for freedom and her train, Sixty miles in latitude, three hundred to the main. Treason fled before us, for resistance was in vain, while we were marching through Georgia. Hurrah, hurrah, we bring the jubilee. Hurrah, hurrah, the flag that makes you free. So we sang the chorus from Atlanta to the sea, while we were marching through Georgia. Henry Clay Work Ethiopia Saluting the Colors Who are you, dusky woman, so ancient, hardly human, with your woolly, white, and turbaned head and bare bony feet, 
why rising by the roadside here do you the colors greet tis while our army lines carolinas sands and pines forth from thy hovel door thou ethiopia comes to me as under doughty sherman i march toward the sea me master's years a hundred since from my parents sundered a little child they caught me as the savage beast is caught then hither me across the sea the cruel slaver brought no further does she say but lingering all the day her high-born turbaned head she wags and rolls her darkling eye and curtsies to the regiments the guidons moving by what is it fateful woman so blear hardly human why wag your head with turban bound yellow red and green are the things so strange and marvellous you see or have seen walt whitman the invasion brought panic to the south and beauregard hastened to oppose it but sherman pressed on irresistibly beating down all opposition reached savannah and on december twenty second eighteen sixty four marched into the city which had been abandoned by the confederates on christmas day he telegraphed president lincoln i beg to present to you as a christmas gift the city of savannah sherman's in savannah december twenty second eighteen sixty four like the tribes of israel fed on quails and manna sherman and his glorious band journeyed through the rebel land fed from heaven's all bounteous hand marching on savannah as the moving pillar shone streamed the starry banner all day long in rosy light flaming splendor all the night till it swooped in eagle flight down on doomed savannah glory be to god on high shout the loud hosanna treason's wilderness is past canaan's shore is won at last peal a nation's trumpet blast sherman's in savannah soon shall richmond's tough old hide find a tough old tanner soon from every rebel wall shall the rag of treason fall till our banner flaps over all as it crowns savannah oliver wendell holmes savannah december twenty third eighteen sixty four thou hast not drooped thy stately head thy woes a wondrous beauty shed not like a lamb to slaughter led but with the lion's monarch tread thou comest to thy battle bed savannah o oh, savannah thine arm of flesh is girded strong the blue veins swell beneath thy wrong to thee the triple cords belong of woe and death and shameless wrong and spirit vaunted long too long savannah o oh, savannah no bloodstains spot thy forehead fair only the martyr's blood is there it gleams upon thy bosom bare it moves thy deep deep soul to prayer and tunes a dirge for thy sad ear savannah oh savannah thy clean white hand is open wide for weal or woe thou freedom bride the sword sheath sparkles at thy side thy plighted troth whatever betide thou hast but freedom for thy guide savannah oh savannah what though the heavy storm-cloud lowers still at thy feet the old oak towers still fragrant are thy jessamine bowers and things of beauty love and flowers are smiling over this land of ours my sunny home savannah there is no film before thy sight thou seest woe and death and night and blood upon thy banner bright but in thy full wrath's kindled might who carest thou for woe or night my rebel home savannah come for the crown is on thy head thy woes a wondrous beauty shed not like a lamb to slaughter led but with the lion's monarch tread oh come unto thy battle bed savannah oh savannah alethea s burrows 
Sherman paused at Savannah to fortify the place and get his army into shape. After its march of 250 miles, then on January 15, 1865, he started northward into South Carolina. Carolina, January 1865 The despot treads thy sacred sands. Thy pines give shelter to his bands. Thy sons stand by with idle hands. Carolina. He breathes at ease thy airs of balm. He scorns the lances of thy palm. Oh, who shall break thy craven calm? Carolina. Thy ancient fame is growing dim. A spot is on thy garment's rim. Give to the winds thy battle hymn. Carolina. Call on thy children of the hill. Wake swamp and river, coast and rill. Rouse all thy strength and all thy skill, Carolina. Sight wealth and science, trade and art. Touch with thy fire the cautious mart, And pour thee through the people's heart, Carolina. Till even the coward spurns his fears, And all thy fields and fens and meres Shall bristle like thy palm with spears, Carolina. I hear a murmur as of waves, that grope their way through sunless caves, like bodies struggling in their graves, Carolina. And now it deepens, slow and grand, it swells as rolling to the land, an ocean broke upon thy strand, Carolina. Shout, let it reach the startled Huns, and roar with all thy festal guns, it is the answer of thy sons, Carolina. Henry Timrod Every man in the state was called to arms, but the Union forces met with only a weak and ineffective resistance. On February 16, 1865, Columbia was occupied, and catching fire accidentally next day, was totally destroyed. The fall of Columbia left Charleston exposed, and the Confederate troops hastened to get away while they could. Charleston, February 1865 Calmly beside her tropic strand, an empress, brave and loyal. I see the watchful city stand, with aspect sternly royal. She knows her mortal foe draws near, armored by subtlest science. Yet deep, majestical, and clear, rings out her grand defiance. O oh, glorious is thy noble face, lit up by proud emotion, and unsurpassed thy stately grace, our warrior, queen of ocean. First from thy lips the summons came, which roused our south to action, and with the quenchless force of flame consumed the demon faction. First, like a rush of sovereign wind that rends dull waves asunder, thy prescient warning struck the blind and woke the deaf with thunder. They saw with swiftly kindling eyes the shameful doom before them, and heard, borne wild from northern skies, the death gale hurtling o'er them. Wilt thou, whose virgin banner rose, a morning star of splendor, quail when the war tornado blows, and crouch in base surrender? Wilt thou, upon whose loving breast our noblest chiefs are sleeping, yield thy dead patriots' place of rest to scornful alien-keeping? No, while a life-pulse throbs for fame, thy sons will gather round thee. Welcome the shot, the steel, the flame, if honor's hand hath crowned thee. Then fold about thy beauteous form, the imperial robe thou wearest, and front with regal port the storm thy foe would dream thou fairest. If strength and will and courage fail to cope with ruthless numbers, and thou must bend, despairing, pale, where thy last hero slumbers. Lift the red torch and light the fire amid those corpses gory, and on thy self-made funeral pyre pass from the world to glory. Paul Hamilton Hayne The cotton in the town was burned. Many houses caught fire, and a magazine exploded, killing two hundred people. The city was virtually a ruin, when the last of the Confederate troops, 
poor old Dixie's bottom dollar, left the city. Romance. Talk of pluck, pursued the sailor, said at Euchre on his elbow. I was on the wharf at Charleston, just ashore from off the runner. It was gray and dirty weather, and I heard a drum go rolling, rub-a-dubbing in the distance, awful dour-like and defiant. In and out among the cotton, mud and chains and stores and anchors tramped a squad of battered scarecrows, poor old Dixie's bottom dollar. Some had shoes, but all had rifles. Them that wasn't bald was beardless. And the drum was rolling Dixie, and they stepped to it like men, sir. Rags and tatters, belts and bayonets. On they swung, the drum a-rolling, mum and sour. It looked like fighting, and they meant it too by thunder. William Ernest Henley The excitement of the people mounted to hysteria. There were those who advised that the city be destroyed, and that its inhabitants die fighting on its ashes. But calmer counsel prevailed, and Charleston, on February 18, 1865, was surrendered without resistance. The Foe at the Gates, Charleston, 1865 Ring round her, children of her glorious skies, whom she hath nursed to stature proud and great. Catch one last glance from her imploring eyes, then close your ranks and face the threatening fate. Ring round her. With a wall of horrent steel, confront the foe, nor mercy ask nor give, and in her hour of anguish let her feel that ye can die whom she has taught to live. Ring round her. Swear by every lifted blade to shield from wrong the mother who gave you birth, that never violent hand on her be laid, nor base foot desecrate her hollowed hearth. Cursed be the dastard who shall halt or doubt, and doubly damned who casts one look behind. Ye who are men with unsheathed sword and shout, up with her banner, give it to the wind. Peel your wild slogan, echoing far and wide, till every ringing avenue repeat the gathering cry and Ashley's angry tide calls to the sea waves beating round her feet. Sons to the rescue, spurred and belted, come, kneeling with clasped hands she invokes you now by the sweet memories of your childhood's home, by every manly hope and filial vow, to save her proud soul from that loathed thrall, which yet her spirit cannot brook to name, or if her fate be near and she must fall, spare her, she sues, the agony and shame. From all her fanes, let solemn bells be tolled. Heap with kind hands her costly funeral pyre, and thus, with paean sung and anthem rolled, give her unspotted to the god of fire. Gather around her, sacred ashes then. Sprinkle the cherished dust with crimson rain. Die as becomes a race of free-born men who will not crouch to wear the bondman's chain. So dying, ye shall win a high renown, if not in life, at least by death set free, and send her fame through endless ages down, the last grand holocaust of liberty. John Dixon Bruns While Sherman was accomplishing his task in this triumphant manner, Grant was hammering away at Richmond. Late in February 1864, a strong force under Kilpatrick was detached to raid around Richmond and, if possible, release the Union prisoners at Belle Isle and in Libby Prison. 
They reached the outer fortifications, but were repulsed, Major Ulrich Dahlgren being among the killed. Ulrich Dahlgren, March 2, 1864 A flash of light across the night, an eager face, an eye afire. O lad, so true, you yet may rue the courage of your deep desire. Nay, tempt me not, the way is plain. Tis but the coward checks his reign. For there they lie, and there they cry, For whose dear sake twere joy to die. He bends into his saddle-bow, The steeds they follow, two and two. Their flanks are wet with foam and sweat, Their riders' locks are damp with dew. O comrades, haste! The way is long. The dirge, it drowns the battle-song. The hunger preys, the famine slays, An awful horror veils our ways. Beneath the pall of prison wall, the rush of hoofs they seem to hear. From loathsome guise they lift their eyes, and beat their bars, and bend their ear. Ah, God be thanked, our friends are nigh. He wills it not that thus we die. Our friends accursed of want and thirst, our comrades gather. Do your worst. A sharp affright runs through the night, an ambush stirred, a column reigned. The hurrying steed has checked his speed, his smoking flanks are crimson-stained. O noble son of noble sire, thine ears are deaf to our desire. O knightly grace of valiant race, the grave is honor's trysting place. O life so pure, O faith so sure, O heart so brave and true and strong, with tips of flame is writ your name, in annaled deed and storied song. It flares across the solemn night, it glitters in the radiant light, a jewel set, unnumbered yet, in our republic's coronet. Kate Brownlee Sherwood On May 1, 1864, a general advance was ordered, and two days later the Army of the Potomac, 130,000 strong, advanced into the wilderness, south of the Rapidan. There, on May 5th, Lee hurled his forces upon them. On the second day, Lee seized the colors of a Texas regiment and started to lead an assault in person. The men remonstrated and promised to carry the position if Lee would retire. The troops advanced, shouting, Lee to the rear, and kept their word. Lee to the Rear, May 6, 1864 Dawn of a pleasant morning in May Broke through the wilderness cool and gray, While perched in the tallest treetops the birds Were caroling Mendelssohn's songs without words. Far from the haunts of men remote, The brook brawled on with a liquid note, And nature, all tranquil and lovely, wore The smile of the spring, as an Eden of yore. Little by little as daylight increased, and deepened the roseate flush in the east, little by little did morning reveal two long glittering lines of steel, where two hundred thousand bayonets gleam, tipped with the light of the earliest beam, and the faces are sullen and grim to see in the hostile armies of Grant and Lee. All of a sudden, ere rose the sun, Peeled on the silence the opening gun, A little white puff of smoke there came, And anon the valley was wreathed in flame. Down on the left of the rebel lines, Where a breastwork stands in a copse of pines, Before the rebels their ranks can form, The Yankees have carried the place by storm, Stars and stripes on the salient wave, Where many a hero has found a grave, And the gallant Confederates strive in vain, the ground they have drenched with their blood to regain. Yet louder the thunder of battle roared, yet a deadlier fire on the columns poured. Slaughter infernal rode with despair, furies twain through the murky air. Not far off in the saddle there sat a gray-bearded man in a black slouched hat. Not much moved by the fire was he, calm and resolute, Robert Lee. Quick and watchful he kept his eye on the bold rebel brigades close by, reserves that were standing and dying at ease while the tempest of wrath toppled over the trees. 
for still with their loud deep bulldog bay the yankee batteries blazed away and with every murderous second that sped a dozen brave fellows alas fell dead the grand old greybeard rode to the space where death and his victims stood face to face and silently waved his old slouched hat a world of meaning there was in that follow me steady we'll save the day this was what he seemed to say and to the light of his glorious eye the bold brigades thus made reply we'll go forward but you must go back and they moved not an inch in the perilous track go to the rear and we'll send them to hell and the sound of the battle was lost in their yell turning his bridle robert lee rode to the rear like waves of the sea bursting the dikes in their overflow madly his veterans dashed on the foe and backward in terror that foe was driven their banners rent and their columns riven wherever the tide of battle rolled over the wilderness wood and wold sunset out of a crimson sky streamed over a field of ruddier dye and the brook ran on with a purple stain from the blood of ten thousand foemen slain seasons have passed since that day and year again over its pebbles the brook runs clear and the field in a richer green is dressed where the dead of a terrible conflict rest hushed is the roll of the rebel drum the sabres are sheathed and the cannon are dumb and fate with his pitiless hand has furled the flag that once challenged the gaze of the world but the fame of the wilderness fight abides and down into history grandly rides calm and unmoved as in battle he sat the gray-bearded man in the black slouched hat john randolph thompson for two weeks a frightful struggle raged the union losses were fearful but on may eleventh eighteen sixty four grant wired to the secretary of war i propose to fight it out on this line if it takes all summer can't how history repeats itself you'll say when you remember grant who in his boyhood days once sought throughout the lexicon for cant he could not find the word that day the earnest boy whose name was grant he never found it through long years with all their powers to disenchant no hostile host could give him pause rivers and mountains could not daunt he never found that hindering word the steadfast man whose name was grant harriet prescott spofford grant used his cavalry most effectively and he had a dashing leader in phil sheridan early in may eighteen sixty four sheridan and a strong force was sent on a raid around the confederate lines and on the twelfth encountered general j e b stuart in force at yellow tavern a sharp engagement followed in which stuart was killed obsequies of stuart may twelfth eighteen sixty four we could not pause while yet the noontide air shook with the cannonade's incessant pealing the funeral pageant fitly to prepare a nation's grief revealing the smoke above the glimmering woodland wide that skirts our southward border in its beauty marked where our heroes stood and fought and died for love and faith and duty and still what time the doubtful strife went on we might not find expression for our sorrow we could but lay our dear dumb warrior down and gird us for the morrow one weary year agone when came a lull with victory in the conflict's stormy closes when the glad spring all flushed and beautiful first mocked us with her roses with dirge and bell and minic gun we paid some few poor rites an inexpressive token of a great people's pain to jackson's shade in agony unspoken 
No wailing trumpet and no tolling bell, no cannon save the battle's boom receding, when Stuart to the grave we bore might tell, with hearts all crushed and bleeding. The crisis suited not with pomp and she, whose anguish bears the seal of consecration, had wished his Christian obsequies should be thus void of ostentation. Only the maidens came, sweet flowers to twine, above his form so still and cold and painless, whose deeds upon our brightest records shine, whose life and sword were stainless. They well remembered how he loved to dash into the fight festooned from summer bowers, how like a fountain's spray his sabre's flash leaped from a mass of flowers. And so he carried to his place of rest all that of our great paladin was mortal, the cross and not the sabre on his breast that opes the heavenly portal. No more of tribute might to us remain, but there will still come a time when freedom's martyrs a richer guerdon of renown shall gain than gleams in stars and garters. I hear from out that sunlit land which lies beyond these clouds that gather darkly over us, the happy sounds of industry arise in swelling peaceful chorus. And mingling with these sounds the glad acclaim of millions undisturbed by war's afflictions, crowning each martyr's never-dying name with grateful benedictions. In some fair future garden of delights, where flowers shall bloom and songbirds sweetly warble, art shall erect the statues of our knights in living bronze and marble, and none of all that bright heroic throng shall wear to far-off time a semblance grander shall still be decked with fresher wreaths of song than this beloved commander. The Spanish legend tells us of the Cid that after death he rode erect sedately along his lines, even as in life he did, in presence yet more stately. And thus our Stuart at this moment seems to ride out of our dark and troubled story into the region of romance and dreams, a realm of light and glory. And sometimes when the silver bugles blow, that ghostly form in battle reappearing shall lead his horsemen headlong on the foe, in victory careering. John Randolph Thompson Grant was overwhelming the Confederates by weight of numbers and pushed slowly on. To divert him, Lee threw a portion of his army into the Shenandoah Valley and started again to invade Maryland and Pennsylvania. A body of troops contested their passage at Snickers Ferry, and a sharp skirmish followed. A Christopher of the Shenandoah, Island Ford, Snickers Gap, July 18, 1864, told by the orderly. Mute he sat in the saddle, mute midst our full acclaim, as three times over we gave to the mountain echo his name. Then, but I couldn't do less, in a murmur remonstrate came. This was the deed his spirits set and his hand would not shun, when the veil of the Shenandoah had lost the glow of the sun, and the evening cloud and the battle smoke were blending in one. Retreating and ever retreating, the bank of the river we gained. Hope of the field was none, and choice but of flight remained. When there, at the brink of the ford, his horse he suddenly reined. For his vigilant eye had marked where, close by the oozy marge, half parted its moorings, there lay a battered and oarless barge. Quick, gather the wounded in, and the flying stayed at his charge. They gathered the wounded in whence they fell by the river bank, lapped on the gleaming sand or a swoon mid the rushes dank, and they crowded the barge till its sides low down and the water sank. 
The river was wide, was deep, and heady the current flowed. A burdened and oarless craft, straight into the stream he rode, by the side of the barge, and drew it along with its moaning load. A moaning and ghastly load, the wounded, the dying, the dead, forever upon their traces followed the whistling lead. Our bravest, the mark, yet unscathed and undaunted, he pushed ahead. Alone, save for one that from love of his leader or soldierly pride, hearing his call for aid and seeing that none replied, plunged and swam by the crazy craft on the other side. But heaven, what weary toil, for the river is wide, is deep, the current is swift, and the bank on the further side is steep. Tis reached at last, and a hundred of ours to the rescue leap. Oh, they cheered as he rose from the stream, and the water drops flowed away. But I couldn't do less, in the silence that followed, we heard him say. Then the wounded cheered, and the swooning awoke in the barge where they lay. And I, ah, well, I swam by the barge on the other side, but an orderly goes wherever his leader chooses to ride. Come life or come death, I couldn't do less than follow his guide. Edith M. Thomas The Confederate cavalry pushed on toward the Susquehanna, sacked Chambersburg, and filled all western Pennsylvania with panic. Grant at once got together a large force to repel this invasion and placed it under command of General Sheridan. On September 19, 1864, the Confederates attacked his troops at Winchester, but Sheridan beat them off and punished them so severely that he supposed they had enough. With that impression, he went to Washington on official business, leaving his men strongly posted on Cedar Creek. There, on the morning of October 19, the Confederates attacked them, front, flank, and rear. Sheridan at Cedar Creek October 19, 1864 Shoe the steed with silver that bore him to the fray. When he heard the guns at dawning miles away, when he heard them calling, calling, Mount nor stay, quick or all is lost. They've surprised and stormed the post. They pushed your routed host. Gallop, retrieve the day. How's the horse an ermine, for the foam flake blew. White through the red October, he thundered into view. They cheered him in the looming, horseman and horse they knew. The turn of the tide began, the rally of bugles ran. He swung his hat in the van, the electric hoof spark flew. Wreath the steed and lead him, for the charge he led touched and turned the cypress into amaranths for the head. A Philip, king of riders, who raised them from the dead. The camp at dawning lost, by eve recovered, forced, rang with laughter of the host, as belated early fled. Shroud the horse in sable, for the mounds they heap. There is firing in the valley, and yet no strife they keep. It is the parting volley, it is the pathos deep. There is glory for the brave, who led and nobly save, but no knowledge in the grave, where the nameless followers sleep. Herman Melville Sheridan, returning from Washington, had slept at Winchester the night of October 18, 1864, and early next morning heard the sounds of the battle. He mounted his horse and started for the field, reached there just in time to rally his retreating troops, turned a defeat into a decisive victory, and drove the invaders pell-mell back to Virginia. Sheridan's Ride, October 19, 1864 Up from the south at break of day, bringing to Winchester fresh dismay, the affrighted air with a shudder bore, like a herald in haste to the chieftain's door, the terrible grumble and rumble and roar, telling the battle was on once more, and Sheridan twenty miles away. And wider still those billows of war, 
thundered along the horizon's bar, and louder yet into Winchester rolled the roar of that Red Sea uncontrolled, making the blood of the listener cold as he thought of the stake in that fiery fray with Sheridan twenty miles away. But there is a road from Winchester town, a good broad highway leading down, and there through the flush of the morning light a steed as black as the steeds of night was seen to pass as with eagle flight, as if he knew the terrible need he stretched away with his utmost speed. Hills rose and fell, but his heart was gay, with Sheridan fifteen miles away still sprang from those swift hoofs thundering south the dust like smoke from the cannon's mouth or the trail of a comet sweeping faster and faster foreboding to traitors the doom of disaster the heart of the steed and the heart of the master were beating like prisoners assaulting their walls impatient to be where the battlefield calls Every nerve of the charger was strained to full play, with Sheridan only ten miles away. Under his spurning feet the road, like an arrowy alpine river, flowed, and the landscape sped away behind like an ocean flying before the wind, as the steed, like a bark fed with furnace ire, swept on with his wild eye full of fire. But, lo, he is nearing his heart's desire. He is snuffing the smoke of the roaring fray, with Sheridan only five miles away. The first that the generals saw were the groups of stragglers, and then the retreating troops. What was done? What to do? A glance told him both. Then striking his spurs with a terrible oath, he dashed down the line mid a storm of huzzas, and the wave of retreat checked its course there because... The sight of the master compelled it to pause. With foam and with dust, the black charger was gray by the flash of his eye and the red nostrils play. He seemed to the whole great army to say, I have brought you Sheridan all the way from Winchester down to save the day. Hurrah, hurrah for Sheridan. Hurrah, hurrah for horse and man. And when their statues are placed on high under the dome of the Union sky, the American soldier's temple of fame, there with the glorious general's name, be it said in letters both bold and bright, here is the steed that saved the day by carrying Sheridan into the fight from Winchester twenty miles away. Thomas Buchanan Reed Grant, meanwhile, steadily tightened his grip on Richmond, and Lee at last perceived that to hold the capital longer would be to sacrifice his army. He withdrew during the night of April 2, 1865, and the Union troops entered the city unopposed the next day. The Year of Jubilee, sung by the Negro troops as they entered Richmond. Say, darkies, have you seen the massa with the mustache on his face? He go along the road sometime this morning, like he couldn't leave the place. He see the smoke way up the river, where the Lincoln gunboats lay. He take a hat awfully very sudden, and I suppose he'd run away. The master run, ha ha, the darky stay, ho ho. It must be now the kingdom coming and the Arab jubilo. He's six foot one way and two foot totter, and he weighs six hundred pound. His coat so big he couldn't pay the tailor. And it won't reach halfway round, he drills so much they call him cap'n. And he gets so mighty tanned, he speck he'll try to fool them Yankees for de tinky contraband. De master run, ha ha, de darky stay, ho ho, it must be now de kingdom coming and de hour of jubilo. De darky's got so lonesome living, and de log hut and de lawn. De move dead tings into mouse's parlor for to keep it while he gone. Those wine and the cider in the kitchen, and the dark as they have some, I speck it will be all fiscated when the Lincoln soldiers come. De master run, ha ha, de darky stay, ho ho, it must be now de kingdom coming and de Arab jubilo. De observer here make us trouble, and he drive us round and spell. We lock him up in the smokehouse cellar with the king flung in the well, 
and de whip him lost a handcuff broke but de massy happy's pay he big and old enough for to know better than when and run away de master run ha ha de darky stay ho ho it must be now de kingdom coming on de year o jubilo henry clay work virginia capta april eighteen sixty five unconquered captive close thine eye and draw the ashen sackcloth over and in thy speechless woe deplore the fate that would not let thee die the arm that wore the shield strip bare the hand that held the martial rein and hurled the spear on many a plain stretch till they clasp the shackles there the foot that once could crush the crown must drag the fetters till it bleed beneath their weight thou dost not need it now to tread the tyrant down thou thost him vanquished boastful trust his lance in twain his sword a wreck but with his heel upon thy neck he holds thee prostrate in the dust bend though thou must beneath his will let not one abject moan have place but with majestic silent grace maintain thy regal bearing still look back through all thy storied past and sit erect in conscious pride no grander heroes ever died no sterner battled to the last weep if thou wilt with proud sad mien thy blasted hopes thy peace undone yet brave live on nor seek to shun thy fate like egypt's conquered queen though forced a captive's place to fill in the triumphal train yet there superbly like zenobia wear thy chains virginia victrix still margaret junkin preston tidings of the fall of richmond went over the north with lightning speed and in every city every town and hamlet public demonstrations were held the fall of richmond the tidings received in the northern metropolis april eighteen sixty five what mean these peals from every tower and crowds like seas that sway the cannon reply they speak the heart of the people impassioned and say a city in flags for a city in flames richmond goes babylon's way sing and pray o weary years and woeful wars and armies in the grave but hearts unquelled at last deter the helmed dilated lucifer honor to grant the brave whose three stars now like orion's rise when wreck is on the wave bless his glaive well that the faith we firmly kept and never our aim forswore for the terrors that trooped from each recess when fainting we fought in the wilderness and hell made loud hurrah but god is in heaven and grant in the town and right through might is law god's way adore herman melville lee meanwhile was trying desperately to escape the force which grant had sent in pursuit of him his army was dreadfully shattered and without supplies his horses were too weak to draw the cannon and he soon found himself surrounded by a vastly superior force to fight would have been folly instead he sent forward a white flag and surrendered at two o'clock on the afternoon of palm sunday april nine eighteen sixty five the surrender at appomattox april nine eighteen sixty five as billows upon billows roll on victory victory breaks ere yet seven days from richmond's fall and crowning triumph wakes the loud joy gun whose thunders run by seashore streams and lakes the hope and great event agree in the sword that grant received from lee the warring eagles fold the wing but not in caesar's sway not rome overcome by roman arms we sing as on for sally his day but treason thrown through a giant groan and freedom's larger play 
all human tribes glad token see in the close of the wars of grant and lee herman melville grant was generous with the fallen enemy too generous some of the patriot politicians thought in releasing lee and his officers on parole but grant insisted that the terms he had given be carried out to the letter lee's parole well general grant have you heard the news how the orders are issued and ready to send for lee and the men in his staff command to be under arrest now the war's at an end how so arrested for what he cried oh for trial as traitors to be shot or hung the chief's eyes flashed with a sudden ire and his face grew crimson as up he sprung orderly fetch me my horse he said then into the saddle and up the street as if the battle were raging ahead went the crash of the old war charger's feet what is this i am told about lee's arrest is it true and the keen eyes searched his soul it is true and the order will be enforced my word was given in their parole at richmond and that parole has not been broken nor has my word nor will be until there is better cause for a breaking than this i have lately heard do you know sir whom you have thus addressed i am the war department's head and i am general grant at your peril order arrests he said a friend is a friend as we reckon worth who will throw the gauntlet in friendship's fight but a man is a man in peace or war who will stake his all for an enemy's right twas a hard-fought battle but quickly won as a fight must be when tis soul to soul and twas years ago but that honored word preserved the north in the south's parole marion manville in disbanding his army lee issued a farewell address copies of which are still treasured in many a southern home even in the north he has come to be recognized as the great general and true gentleman he really was robert e lee a gallant foeman in the fight a brother when the fight was o'er the hand that led the host with might the blessed torch of learning bore no shriek of shields nor roll of drums no challenge fierce resounding far when reconciling wisdom comes to heal the cruel wounds of war thought may the minds of men divide love makes the heart of nations one and so thy soldier grave beside we honor thee virginia's son julia ward howe End of section 10.